Hey there, Let's Be Real listeners. I'm back. It's been three weeks of no podcasts, unintentional, unplanned, technical difficulties. But I'm back, at least for a week, because next week I'll be gone. But that was planned. But over the last three weeks, I've really been thinking about a lot of different things. And I want to talk to you about meditation. So I wanted to talk about meditation because it's a word that I'm hearing a lot about. I think we've all heard it. There's all of these apps to help you learn how to meditate, to fall asleep meditating. I have really thought about, so what does that actually look like? Like, what does that mean for the Christian life, the Christian heart, the follower of Jesus? Like, I know meditate is a a word in scripture, like I know that, and then you kind of hear how meditating is being used or meditation is used in kind of our culture, how it's being brought in through this Eastern lens. So I kind of wanted to talk about the differences that I found just real briefly. I don't know if we need to talk long about meditation, but the differences that I found between a biblical meditation and Eastern thought, what does it do? Why is it helpful? Why is it important? So question for you, have you ever gone to church? Let's say listened to a podcast (laughs) or not this one for sure, Um, listened to a book on tape, even read a book that you listened to it or you heard it or you read it and then the next day or a couple days later, if somebody asks you about it, you're like, um, well, it was something about, come on, who is with me? That happens to me pretty frequently. And I'm beginning to fear like, is this my age? Oh my gosh, I can't remember anything like I'm blaming it on, on my brain. Well, partially true, but I think I'm going to give some of my heart <laughs> some of the fault as well, because I've, as I've been learning about and thinking about meditation, I'm realizing that that is what is required to really internalize something, to make it your own, to remember it, to learn it. So biblical meditation, what is that? Maybe let's first start with the goal between a biblical meditation and an Eastern goal. I think that's really the best way to differentiate at the beginning. Well, what's the, what's the purpose? What's the difference? An Eastern goal really is to empty one's mind, realize yourself, to just be empty, to not think on anything. It's kind of with this intention to connect with, with nature, to seek wisdom from your inner self, where the goal of biblical and Christian meditation is quite opposite. It's actually the filling of one's mind. It's not the emptying of yourself. It's the filling of one's mind with scripture, with the intention of connecting and communing with God versus nature. Now, there are a couple of words in scripture that mean meditation, not just one. We see in the Old Testament two Hebrew words that are used, and one that is used more than the others is Hagah. We see it all throughout the Psalms, One Psalm 104.34, may my meditation be pleasing to him. For I rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 1997, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. This word is haga. Haga meaning to murmur. And that can be in both pleasure or in anger, right? But this kind of little under your breath muttering, this murmuring, kind of, I think of talking to yourself. It's to ponder, to imagine, to mourn, to speak, to study, to talk, to utter. The other word that we see in Genesis 24 is suak, which means to meditate, muse, commune, speak, or complain. And back in Genesis 24, it is the earliest example and use that we see of the word meditation. What's crazy about that is that means that 
That was going on. Jacob is meditating. That was going on at about the same time that Eastern religion is using meditation as well. So there's overlap. Meditation has been around for a long time, both in Eastern cultures and in a biblical worldview. We see in the New Testament, meliteo. It means to take care of, to revolve in the mind, to imagine, or to pre-meditate. These are all very intentional thought processes, which I can tell you a lot of times I consume. We are in the West, a culture of consumers. We take it in, we enjoy it, and we spit it out. We, we eat, we consume. We're really good at that. Movies, entertainment, reading. I love what I call Amdrams, Amish dramas, Amish fiction. I have read all of the books by one certain author. And I really like, I get immersed in them. I restart them. I can't stop. I'm a total unproductive human. Like, don't ask me to make you dinner or to do anything because I'm really just totally into this book. But once it's over, I can tell you all about it, like, right away. That day, the next day. Yeah, the next week, I'd be like, well, it was sort of about this and that. And now, going back, like, ugh, I couldn't tell you what any of them are about except for one because it was a series, a series of five books, and it took a long time to read. So you're immersed in it for a long time. And I had a friend who read it. So then we were talking about it, and that helped it stick. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that series well because I talked about it. I thought about it with somebody else. I mean, maybe that's why book clubs exist, because they really help you dive a little bit deeper into what you're reading. So why do I not maybe do that on a regular basis with scripture? When I'm reading it, a lot of times I just consume it. I read it. I enjoy it. I get, you know, the feeling maybe and the experience. This happens a lot to me at church. You sing the song, you get emotional, you have the experience, and then you leave Sunday and and it's gone. Because unfortunately, we walk in a lot of times into our quiet time if we're having one or into church, as consumers, to take it in. I don't meditate on it. It's something, it's like water in one end of the pipe and out the other. It just travels in and out. Not the purpose and the goal of this Christian walk. I homeschooled for a while, and there's a method, a lady, a philosophy that I followed called Charlotte Mason, and there's a retreat every year that I no longer go to because I'm not homeschooling my kids anymore. And they just had the retreat, and I follow them on social media, and they had a talk on meditation. And Charlotte Mason, this educator, she talked a lot about the importance of meditation in education. So I did listen to that podcast or that presentation. I'm like, that makes a whole lot of sense. But one of the quotes, the shorter one, is a vigorous Christian life must depend largely on devout meditation. A vigorous Christian life must depend largely on devout meditation. I can honestly say I'm not a meditator. I often say, oh, I wish I were a journaler, but I'm not one. But really, that is another way to meditate. I took a class this last fall toward possibly at some point, we'll see, a master's in theology. And I enjoyed all of it. I loved all of it. But I have recognized in myself that I'm having a really hard time regurgitating, sharing that information, giving everything that I've learned. Because you know what? I didn't meditate on it. I did what I did through high school. I did the work. 
I read, I was able to take the quiz, answer the questions in one ear, out the next, and move on. Does anybody relate? I think we get really, really good with that (laughs) going through our education system because things are so uh, based on scores and testing and not really like this full mastery and love of what we're learning. And that makes me sad because I know I do it. And I'm realizing that more and more and I'm feeling more and more convicted to step into this Christian discipline of meditation, of uttering, of muttering, of chewing on, to think of. One of the words of Haggah, meditate, is the picture of a cow ruminating, right? Like eats it, goes down to the stomach, comes back up, do it again. Kind of gross, but I think we all get the picture. It's this constant over and over idea of ruminating and thinking about and believing, remembering the promises and the purposes of God. There's a lot of resources out there on what does it look like for a Christian to meditate. I'm not going to share a million of them with you here because you can go find so many. But I do want to share, and I'm going to put it in the show notes, an article from the C.S. Lewis Institute. And it is all about what is biblical meditation. A quote from the beginning of this article on their site is a quote from Thomas Brooks. He's a 17th century church leader. And he says, Remember that it is not hasty reading, but serious meditation on holy and heavenly truths that makes them prove sweet and profitable to the soul. It is not the mere touching of the flower by the bee that gathers honey, but her abiding for a time on the flower that draws out the sweet. It is not he that reads most but he that meditates most that will prove to be the choicest, sweetest, wisest, and strongest Christian. That speaks to me. That challenges me. I live in a world, I live in a place in my head, I live in a culture where getting a lot done is good. Getting further, faster is what we're shooting for. We do the things, we check the box, we move on. This is a way of life for a lot of us. And meditation isn't something that can function like that. It isn't a check it off the box, get it done, do it, leave it behind, move on to the next. And this is very difficult for me because, I mean, this is my MO. I, I kind of like moving through the day from task to task to task. Meditation is going to take some work and some effort for me. Who wants, who wants to join me? in this attempt to really grow. This is a habit. This is a discipline that I think we're lacking and is really important. About three years ago, I was committed to memorizing the book of First Peter. I'll tell you, I got through chapter one and the beginnings into chapter two. But as I look back, I realize that was probably the longest period of time that I actually meditated. Because in order to add another verse... I was constantly rehearsing the part that I knew and then trying to add another verse. And all day, I'd have to think about it because I felt like if I stopped, I was going to forget it all. So I would walk the dog. And for that 45 minutes, I'm listening to it on my Bible app over and over and over and practicing it over and over and adding more and adding more and adding more. Now, while that was strictly for the purpose of memorization, what happened was that I began to see God through the lens of the scripture that I was memorizing. I saw the world through the lens of what I was really thinking on. It became a very deep, real, different way for me to encounter the scripture. 
And I want to go back. I want to do that again. Now, meditation isn't necessarily meant to be a whole chapter or a whole book. You start with a verse. You start with two. Memorize them. Utter, mutter, chew on it, ruminate. Haga, let's meditate on it. Let the word, let the scripture, the word of God change us to transform us from the inside out. It isn't merely for us to consume, to have, to use when we need it or when we want it and then move on. It's to be a part of us that we carry with us, that it changes us. I heard it described like this is food for my inner man. Like I need to start my morning this way. Because it will put me in a place of being joyful in the Lord, pleasing to the Lord. And we all know that we have, we've got good, quiet times in the morning. The days just go better, don't they? They do. But even for me, my quiet time can turn into a, by dinner, oh yeah, what was that about? What did I read? Because throughout the day, I didn't utter and ruminate and think about it. I hope you feel motivated or at least desire to slow down and read scripture in a little bit more of a meditative way to really think about things. I hope that if you can acknowledge with me and confess with me that, oh, I do that. I hear things, I like them, they move me, and then I forget them. If that's you, let's meditate together. I want to close with this quote from J.I. Packer from the book Knowing God. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. Lord, we ask for your help, for your reminder, for your conviction, for the desire to slow down in this fast world, to practice this discipline, this life of devotion, to understanding the revelation of your scriptures, to commune with you, God, through meditation. God, our prayer is that of Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, help us to be still and to meditate and ponder your words all day long. Let it become a part of who we are and food for our soul. So if you have been with the Let's Be Real podcast for a little while, you will know that we have a Let the Women Retreat weekend coming up September 24th, 25th, 26th. 2021 in Williams Bay, Wisconsin at Conference Point Center. Registration is half full. If you're interested in joining us, let us know. Registration is closes August 15th. So you have about three weeks left to do so. Come alone for just a time of retreat or grab your friends and bring them with. But go to the website, ericamconnor.com and click on the Let the Women Retreat link for the instructions of what to do next. Now, the last three weeks, I have not, obviously been here. You have noticed. So, but I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. So I went ahead and I shared one to my Facebook page yesterday, and it is a podcast by the Bible project. I know that a lot of us are familiar with their videos, but I don't know if you knew that they have a podcast that goes 
very in-depth on topics and they do series and it's been really, really great. So I shared that one. So take a look at my Facebook page for that. I haven't figured out how to do any sort of things like that with Instagram because you can't really share links. So I don't have it there. Uh, I'm going to share another one about the Enneagram. So the Annie F. Downs podcast called That Sounds Fun. This summer, she's been going through numbers of the Enneagram. And I will tell you, I have been a hater of the Enneagram and all personality tests, to be quite honest. Uh, I didn't really ever know why until I realized that I'm an eight. And her podcast really helped me realize that, oh, it's because I'm me <laughs> that I don't like these. I get it. Okay, other people really like them. Now I understand why. So it's super interesting. I've never felt more understood by other people because she interviews some of her friends that are each number. And they have this great discussion. I was like, oh, I loved it. So I'm going to share that Enneagram number eight podcast as well. I'll do that uh, in the next couple of days. So if you, any fellow eights are out there, I hope you listen. You'll probably really enjoy it. If you're not, you, uh, I don't know if she's done all the numbers yet, but you can check back and see if she's talked about your number. It's super interesting and insightful and a little odd. It's like, how, how can we really figure each other out so well? So I hope you enjoy both of those. There is a third that I will post next week by Andy Stanley that I also really enjoyed. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. I will be back in two. We'll see you soon.